Well, good morning. My name's Alan. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to continue in our series, Rise of Empires, a study in the book of Daniel. And today, if you want to put your finger in your Bible, if you brought one, whether it's a, your smart device or actually a printed book that you carry around, um, but also we're going to create this space uh, for you to engage in the text behind me on the screen. Daniel chapter 9 is where we're going. Daniel chapter 9. Now, before we do that, um, what I'd like to do is create some space for us to actually do some ministry right here, right now. You say, okay, Alan, I know. We've been doing all kinds of ministry. We've been praying for each other. Fantastic. We've been listening to the voice of God whisper to us of his love and his encouragement and his grace and his mercy. Um, and that's incredibly wonderful. With regard to us and our activity in the vineyard, one of my favorite phrases is simply this. God is at work in us for his glory, to us for our good, and through us for the good of others. The kind of ministry we're getting ready to do right now is an invitation to let God flow through you to others for their good. If you pay attention, to you, through you, to others for their good. And we're going to be praying as school starts. We're going to be serving the teachers as school starts. And I want to pause long enough, like three minutes, grab the card that's in your row or nearby that says you are loved. And would you just write a quick note of encouragement? Like this is ministry opportunity to flow through us to the teachers at Carlson Elementary. We have a very long-standing history with them and God loves them and we love them. And so would you just, we're going to take two seconds. Would you hit some music in the back? We're going to just take like three minutes, three minutes for you to write a note. And then we're going to ask the greeters, the ushers, they're going to let you drop that card in the box. If you get really inspired and you're not finished when we start collecting them, at the back of the auditorium and in the lobby, there are boxes. They're named drop boxes. And you can always place your card right there. I just wanted to pause. Let's do it right now. Let's collect as many cards as we can. We got two weeks to do it, and this is a great opportunity. If you have children with you, encourage them to write a card. What a blessing. Like, let's just do this together. So put on some music, a uh, couple of minutes, and we'll bring it to a, bring it to a close. All right?
You can keep writing. We're, we're, no, we get it. We're, we're about halfway there. Thank you so much. If you're not finished yet, you can drop it in the drop box. Will our greeters come by and drop those cards that are completed into the box and know that you are blessed to be a blessing. And so we ask that the Lord would grace these cards with a blessing of love and kindness and appreciation uh, as we serve the teachers at Carlston Elementary. If you're not finished, you have permission. Keep writing. Give me one ear. You can multitask this morning, and we're going to start Daniel chapter 9. We continue with our series, The Rise of Empires. And last week, Kelly did such a wonderful job of positioning us for this morning with regard to looking at Daniel in the lion's den, one of the best-known stories in all of Scripture. And she made one comment that I want to build on this morning. She made lots of good comments, but one that I'm building on. And that is simply this. I want to talk to you today about establishing and engaging in a posture of prayer. In a posture of prayer. Daniel 9 gives us some insight with regard to how to do this. So we know that Daniel and his buddies, the three buddies that he had, Hananiah, Azariah, and Michelle, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Those four guys, young teenagers, taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, enrolled in the school of Babylon for indoctrination. They were going to be the princes of Jerusalem who have been converted to the ways of thinking and being in Babylon. And it didn't quite work out like the Babylonians had planned. As a matter of fact, these young men are stellar examples of what it looks like to follow God in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so the first indication that we get these guys are people of prayer is in chapter 2 when Nebuchadnezzar asks his seers, his magicians, his people who have insight and knowledge and wisdom. He says, here's the deal. I want you to tell me the dream I had, and I also want you to tell me what it means. And all of his visionaries and seers say, whoa, 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 this is not how we play the game. You're supposed to tell us what the dream is, then we can tell you what it means. 
And they're all frustrated because that wasn't where he ended. He said, you do that, and if you can't, you're all goners. And now the, the anxiety in the room has to be rising. And Daniel is there apparently hearing this. And he goes back to his buddies and he says to them, hey, guys, we need to have a prayer meeting. We need to hear from God, and I need to join you in praying with me. And so in chapter 2, verse 18, this text says this. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven. This is, this is the, like, John Wimber used to say this. One of the best prayers we pray is this. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. That's the kind of mercy that they're asking for, right? They know that their heads are on the line, and they need God to speak. And so we understand that they are men of prayer. We also understand that Daniel, as a man of prayer, didn't stop when his life was on the line. He, he continued to pray. And she reminded us and did a great job of inviting us to consider the practice of prayer that brought life and deliverance to Daniel. The practice of prayer that brought life and deliverance to Daniel. She pointed out to us that prayer invites us to a particular posture. Now, if you do a research in the, in the text, there's all kinds of postures in prayer. And uh, we're going to build on that this morning. But particularly, Daniel had a posture in prayer that he practiced regularly. The windows of his room opened toward Jerusalem, and he found himself three times daily on his knees, the posture of prayer, on his knees, pointing toward Jerusalem, inviting God to work in and through his people in the midst of their captivity in Babylon. And so today I want to explore how we might answer the question, how is it that Daniel found this life-giving posture in prayer and a second question I want to attach to it is, how can we have the courage to follow his example? How did he discover this life-giving posture in prayer? And how can we have the courage to follow? So, here we go, Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in his first year of his reign... Here it is, I, Daniel, understood from scriptures according to the word the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Question, what did he discover from the word of God given to Jeremiah. I'm glad you asked. Jeremiah chapter 29 tells us this. It says, this is the text of the letter of the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among those exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried off into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It said, and I'm not going to read all of this, but it said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried 
into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He gives them instructions about building houses and settling down and planting gardens and marrying and producing offspring and children. And he continues, and then we get to the notification of, and when, verse, verse 10, and when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. Pause, take a deep breath, because what's getting ready to occur, many of you are already familiar with, but you've never put it in context. You've heard it preached about, but you've never actually located it in its context. I'm going to suggest to you that the life-giving discovery that Daniel made is the life-giving discovery that we can make. And here's what it says. Verse 11, Jeremiah 29. If you're familiar with it, it will ring in your ears really, really quickly. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future in the midst of exile and captivity. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And from that point, I think this provides the necessary insight to discover the life-giving, transforming experience that Daniel was living out of. So, last week, Kelly pointed us to the dilemma of our day. And she reminds us in praying that our cultural norm is that we want instant gratification. She identified that waiting is hard and Waiting well is even harder. And everybody says, whether you nod your head or whether you, I, you know, you're, not, you're mulling it over, there, there's, there's this understanding that waiting is hard. Waiting well is harder. And we would all not like it now. We would have liked it yesterday. Right? In the, in the midst of captivity... God speaks to Jeremiah. Daniel discovers the writings of Jeremiah, and he simply says, there's a day coming, and if you will wait, it will be good. And so let me suggest to you, let me suggest to you two things that are at work in Daniel in discovering this word from Jeremiah. First of all, Daniel received a revelation from God. And here's the revelation, paraphrased by me. Here's the revelation. God is with us in this life, and his plans for us are good. Now just receive that, because he hasn't changed his mind. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter if things are going well or things have gone worse, and seem to be headed to worser times. God 
is with us in this life and his plans for us, our, our lives, his plans for us are good. And because I don't like to wait, I say, when, come on, right? But in the midst of my, in the midst of my discontent, because none of us like to wait, Daniel also had something else happen to him that allowed him to have a different response than I would. Like, I'm crossing my arms, tapping my foot. Come on. Can't we get it now? But Daniel instead responded with humility. Now, this is something we talk a lot about here at the vineyard. He responded with humility. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the second, the second king, Belshazzar, who descended into pride and self, self-illusion. And he found himself in a crazy place and the chickens came home to roost and the handwriting was on the wall and God had said, the consequences of your disobedience have come to fruition now. Today, this night, your life has been measured, found wanting, and your kingdom will be divided. And it occurred in that evening. The Medes and Persians came, they infiltrated Babylon in just a matter of days. Babylon had fallen which was a seeming impossibility in the mind of Belshazzar. But Daniel responds with humility. I mentioned Belshazzar because it's a reminder. Humility is a healthy posture of the heart. A modest, the healthy posture is a modest opinion of our own importance. Remember, there's this importance that we can be celebratory about because it's the work of our hands and there's a delight in doing well. We should celebrate that. But then there's an overreaching celebration that leads us into delusional activity and focus on self that's not healthy for us or anyone else around us. And so humility is a healthy posture of the heart, a modest opinion of our own importance and the attitudes of our heart always matter. Here's why. Douglas Conley says, prayer is the admission that we are powerless and that if anything is going to happen, God will have to do it. The power resides in the God who answers. The power of prayer is not our praying. The power of prayer is in the one who answers and we are in good hands. So let me suggest to you that actually all prayer is centered in humility. And the quicker we get to our end and his beginning, the better off we are. And so this life-giving orientation to prayer is, in fact, the work of God bringing us to the one who answers. And I'm just going to really quickly run through the rest of these notes so that we can have a brief moment of prayer at the end, all right? We've done lots of good stuff, and God is at work. And so all prayer is centered in humility, and this is the humility. I can be absolutely honest about my present reality while holding hope that the way things are is not the way that they will always be. 
Now you gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta put yourself right there. The trajectory of the work of God in this world is simply this. You don't have to try to make it better than it is. You don't have to try to make it worse than it is because no matter what your present reality is, the hope in the trajectory of the work of God in this world is simply this. The way things are is not the way that they will always be. Just flip over to the end of the book, Revelation 21. You can read the way things are headed. Every sorrow, every sadness, every brokenness, every tear are being dealt with in the end when the king makes himself known in a new heaven and a new earth which all sorrows, tears, sadness, and brokenness are wiped away and everything is restored back to the beginning and God's good creation is redeemed from the grip of sin and so are we, his people. Amen. So we can be absolutely honest about my present reality while holding hope that the way things are is not the way they will always be. This invites, in my mind, a healthy attitude of humility because it frees me, and it frees me to pray in an honest and expectant way, to join Daniel in praying knowing that they were in exile, but knowing there was an end that was going to come and God's work in them was good and his plans for them were good and his work in us is good and his plans for us is good, are good. And when I think about that, I think the preferred prayer of Jesus, the one that he taught his disciples to pray and which we've already prayed this morning, um, is, is a life-giving, kingdom-oriented prayer that says to us the way things are is not the way they will always be. And I just want to quote the first couple of lines, just a few words. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Here it is. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray that prayer. I see a commensurate prayer that Daniel prays, and I'm going to unpack it really quickly, just give you the highlights of the points that are included, are included in the courageous prayer of Daniel, how we can join him in a prayer that is honest, and expectant. The first thing that we include in our prayer that he included in his prayer is simply praise. I prayed to the Lord and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all those who love him and keeps his commandments. Here it is, my, my translation. Oh God, you're so awesome. You are so good. You've done it before. You'll do it again. Right? You, you've done it before. You'll do it again. Let me ask you. You don't have to raise your hand. If you want to, you can raise your hand. Been there, done that. God, you've done it before. Now I'm, now I'm leaning in to you doing it again. I, for me, I have all kinds of experiential engagement with that truth in my life. God, you've done it before. 
now I need you to do it again. And so I'm praising. This is, this is that we're not working for it, Stefan. Uh, Roy, it's not about the big things we do and the light and the spotlight. And these are words that we were given this morning. It's about what we do in obedience to God. And so we recognize his good work in our life. And we say, God, you've been at work in my life before. Big things and small things. But in all things, you are at work. And you've done these things for me because your plans are good. And wherever I am right now, I believe and I praise you because you are the one who loves and cares for your children, and you've rescued me before, you'll rescue me again. That's how we play expectantly and courageously. We pray with an understanding of confession. He continues, you're the God who keeps your covenant of love with those who keep his commandments, and then here it is, confession. We have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. Now, here's our dilemma. In our present world, one of the things that we understand when we bump up against failure, when we bump up against sin, when we bump up and not measuring up, um, too often what happens, uh, it's not you, it's just me. I start pointing my finger at everybody else. But yeah, but you know, they, sorry if I pointed at you, I don't mean you. They, they, all the they, you know, it's like, like, hey God, what about everybody else? Well, confession that's good for us, that is courageous and kingdom oriented, doesn't isolate ourselves as being above, above having failed by pointing at the flaws of everyone else to hide our own, but regularly says, we have failed, we have sinned, we have been disobedient, we have turned away, we've neglected your commands, we've neglected your laws. And I just want to say it this way, we includes me. In my heart, I often want to revisit and review the sin of others while excluding myself from being a participant. And I say, may God help me and may he help us to not do that. Quickly. The third thing is not just confession, but because we've already touched with it, I remind it again. An honest assessment of my present reality Reality is that most of our captivity is a result of our own resistance to God's truth, our disobedience, and our refusal to turn toward God. But I remind you that if that's so of us today, here's the reality. The way things are is not the way they will always be if we will turn with humility, with expectation, with praise, with confession, and honesty, we are placing ourselves before the one who knows us and loves us. And then at that point, we're ready to pray the prayer of intervention. The prayer of intervention. And this is the last point of Daniel's prayer. He says, there's this request for intervention. Now, God, verse 17, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look down with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. 
We do not make requests of you because, you because we are righteous, but because you are merciful, because your mercy is great. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. And again, I join with Douglas Connolly in saying, I wish I prayed like that. I wish I prayed like that. When I think about the context of kingdom prayer, it is so much bigger than me. Now, let's not draw, let's not draw an either or, because it's a both end, right? When we pray, God is always concerned about us. That's a granted. But I want to ask the question, are we concerned about anybody other than us? Are we concerned about anybody other than us? Kingdom prayer always includes something greater than me. This is the prayer of intervention that Daniel prays. And I mentioned Douglas Connolly, so I will tell you what he says about this thought in Daniel's prayer. He says, reading through Daniel's prayer makes me wonder if I've ever really prayed on the same level. Laid, aside, laid alongside Daniel's prayer, my prayers seem selfish and petty and, well, lame. And I went, got me. But for us to pray courageously, the life-giving prayer of Daniel, it requires a humility on our part and so I leave you with these words these are the words that Jesus taught us to pray and they are simply these our prayers are always inclusive when we say let your kingdom come let your will This is the heart posture of humility before our God who plans for us all good if we will but call on the one who is able, the New Testament says, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, even more than we can imagine. And it goes on to say, Expand the heart of our love, O oh God, so that we can receive all that you have for us. And so today I invite us, will we be those who posture ourselves in prayer, kingdom-oriented prayer, and be willing to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And oh, if you didn't get it, I want to make sure you get it. When you pray that prayer, you're not praying about anybody else but you. It, you're praying about a bigger picture, but the first invitation, the first invitation isn't for your neighbor. Let your kingdom come through them. No, 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 no. no. It's let your kingdom come through me right here, right 
courageously, faithfully, in our everyday, ordinary lives, we pray with a posture that says, God is at work in this world for good. And we get to join him in that work. That is the invitation of praying with the courageous posture of Daniel. Will we join him? Will we join him? I want you to stand. Another way to pray that prayer is make your name great in us, O God. Give us what we need. Your goodness, your kindness, your love, your mercy, your compassion. Come now, O God, and pour them out upon your people. So my invitation for us to respond, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, is simply this. If you've never said yes to following Jesus, today's the day. Like the invitation. The invitation is like, that sounds interesting. I'd like to be included. I want to be. And let me just say to you, you are if you want to be. You're included if you want to be. And that want to be is simply this. Here I am, Lord Jesus. I receive all that you have for me. Sorry, I've been doing my own thing, going my own way. Would you lead me from this day forward in every step toward the good life you've promised, living well in your kingdom, and would you come with me because my desire is to follow you all the days of my life. If you've never prayed that prayer and it makes any sense to you at all today, it's because the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And so when we close, come forward and let one of our team members pray with you. Tell them what you're praying about, and they'll pray with you. If you're a follower of Jesus and you recognize, whoop, course direction, I want to invite you to take your next step toward Jesus. Turn from whatever it is that you're doing that's keeping you from living the courageous life that Daniel gives us example of living, and take your next step toward Jesus, whatever that looks like. And finally, if you're all on board, here's the prayer. Would you just give me more? Would you just give me more? That's the way we pray this. Come, Holy Spirit, in each of these things, in each of these places, for it is your good work to the glory of God to us and through us for the good of others. I'm going to ask our prayer team members to come make yourself available around the front here if you're available. If you want prayer for any of the things that I mentioned and or you have a prayer need for anything else, do not go until you've come forward to receive prayer. All right? Oh. Praying toward Jerusalem on your knees when your life's on the line, right? Involves the same humility that it takes to come right here. Right here and receive 
that's an invitation for God to move you in this moment. So now I bless your people, O oh God. Give them the life, the engagement, the courage, the faith, the strength of Daniel to, in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of good times, to say yes to you in all things. Grant us, O oh God, that we pray joyfully and generously. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I bless you now. The people of God, the work of God in you and through you in your everyday ordinary life, go courageously engaging in the opportunity of the ordinary where God will meet you and others. This I bless in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you till we see you again.